Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for some lights in the house. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. How many of you know Jesus was born in a, how many of you know Jesus is real? He actually, he actually came here. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He lived here. He walked planted earth. He was, uh, he was born in a manger. And uh, I just want to talk, this is not my message, it's just, just an appetizer. I want to talk a little bit about what a manger is. Uh, we sing about Jesus being uh, away in a manger. That's not the, the, you may not recognize the way I sung it, but. <laughs> but you know the song. But uh, you know what a, a, a manger was a, a feeding trough for livestock. Okay? It was basically a, a block of stone with a, you know, with a trough carved out of it, a hone out of it. And uh, that's where Jesus was born. Picture is like a rectangle, rectangular block of stone with, with a, a trough carved out of it. Luke chapter 2, verse 12, this will be a sign to you. Everybody say, this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Everybody say, swaddling clothes. Lying in a manger. Okay. So, this manger was a, a feeding trough. That's where Jesus was born. Now, what, what, did, what does it mean that this would be a sign to you? <coughs> okay? What that means is, is that it was a sign because if you go to the garden tomb in, in Jerusalem, you're going to see a, a tomb. Now, here's a scripture reference for what I'm about to say. Mark chapter 15, verses 43 through 46. See, this, this tomb that Jesus was laid in, it was, uh, it was honed or carved out of a rock, okay, which re resembles a stone trough. So that's, that's the sign. Because Jesus, you know, he was, he was born, like in, in uh, Luke, what we just read in verse 12, he would, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. How many of you know that, that uh, you remember uh, Joseph of Arimathea took Jesus' body and wrapped it in cloth. That's why it's a sign because, see, the, 
the, the garden tomb resembles the uh, a stone trough that Jesus was born in. He was honed out of a rock, and Jesus was wrapped in linen, which resembles him being wrapped in swaddling clothes. How many of you see the sign? Amen. This is a sign to us. Okay, that's cool, Pastor. With, uh, but what does all that mean? That Jesus did not, that, that God did not, God loves us so much that he would send his son. He was the only, think about it, he was the only human that was born to die. You ever thought about that? I had until recently. He was the only human born to die. And all of that is because God loves you. God did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. So when you understand that, that right after that, Romans says, how will he not with him freely give us all things? Amen? Thank you, Jesus. He came that we might have life. So um, that's the appetizer. And, and, and Jesus willingly gave his life. God sent his only son to die for us. Jesus willingly gave his life. That shows you how much God loves you, how much Jesus loves you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. So um, we're going to continue talking about the love of God today, but being the, the Christmas season, I want to, uh, we had to appetize it, we're, we're going to give you a salad now, but, but, but this salad is going to have some, some meat in it, we're going put to some, put some salmon in it, or chicken, or, or whatever you like, praise God. Okay, so we're going to, I'm uh, waiting on this to technology to catch up with us, but I want to talk about Jesus' life and what, what that means. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I'm having a little trouble. Why don't you bring that first scripture up, if you would, up there, and then um, pretty soon this will catch up. For God <coughs> so loved the world that he gave. Don't we have some scriptures before that? Okay, let me bring up mine now. We should be on. Uh, okay, let's go to 1 John chapter 1. I've got some notes here I can switch over. to. Yeah, there we go. <coughs> that which was from the beginning which we have heard, I've got emph emphasis on these words for a reason, which we have heard, which we have seen, everybody say heard, heard. seen Amen. with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. Now let me give you some backdrop. John 
was dealing with, the, the author of this book, he was dealing with a group of people called the Gnostics. And uh, they, they discounted everything physical. They rejected everything physical, and they highlighted the spiritual. They thought that, that, that everything was spiritual. In fact, anybody ever heard of Christian science? Christian science is a form of Gnosticism, where if, if you have a, a headache, they say, well, you don't really have a headache, you just think you do. <coughs> it, it not, it's not real. Or that sickness that you have in your body, is, is, it's, not, it's not real, you just, you just think you're sick. You're not really sick, all right? And some, somebody might say, well, you know, that, that, that sounds like, Pastor, what, what you teach. No. See, faith <coughs> does not deny the existence of something. Okay, and some people get that mixed up with uh, Christian science. Christian science says, no, you're not really sick. That sickness is not there. That tumor is really not in your body. You, you, just, you just think it is. No, it's there. And so, and people confuse that when, when somebody teaches faith and, and they say, well, you know, th that's just like Christian science. No, faith doesn't deny the existence of a problem or the existence of a sickness or the, the existence of something. Okay, but see, Gnostics, they, they denied everything that is physical. And, and they believed that, it, that God would never come down in, a, in the dirty, rotten, evil human flesh. Okay, this is what John is dealing with. The Gnostics did not believe that Jesus or that, or that God would come down in human form. <clears throat> but yet, the Bible says the Word became flesh, <clears throat> and he lived among us. And so that's why John is going into this detail. No, we, we, we've seen him. We touched him. Okay, we, you know, we heard him with our own ears, We've seen him with our eyes. We looked at him. See, we, we, we saw him in operation, and we know he was something else. <laughs> See, he was 100% God and 100% man. Okay, so we, we, we've touched him, and, and we proclaim. This is who we proclaim. Preaching is a proclamation. You know, we've all been called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to bring some clarity to, because there's, there's a lot of different ways that you can describe the gospel, um, so many different ways to preach this gospel message. I'm going to give you one way, just focusing on the word of life, our hands. What, what, what have we heard? What have we seen? What have we looked at? What have we touched? What, and what are we proclaiming? We, this is another way of saying we proclaim the gospel. We proclaim concerning the word of life. See, a lot of people don't look at Jesus, Jesus' life. And we talk about eternal life. Eternal life is not a place. It's not a, it's not a destination. It's, it's not even a book. See, man, see, 
the, G- Jesus said one, da- one time, he, he said, you search the scriptures. He's talking about these religious folks. And we have them today. They, they look at the Bible as a, a, a set of rules to live by. That's not what the Bible is. That's not the purpose of the Bible. I'm going I'm I'm to give you some things to think about, and I'm going to come back over and talk about it. Some people think that, that this word is Jesus. Y'all have a Bible? Y'all have it with you? This is not Jesus. Jesus is the word. See, he said to these religious folk, you search the scriptures. In them, <clears throat> in the scriptures, you think you have eternal life. Think about it. The word became flesh, dwelt among them, and they didn't recognize him. And, he's, and the word, is their, their heads are in the scriptures, the scriptures they had at that time, the, the law and the prophets. Okay? Their head was in the scriptures. But they missed the message of the scripture. Jesus is the message of the scriptures. Okay, now let's not let's let's not gloss over that. Let's think about this class. We're in class now. See, we need more class in in in, in the church. You're talking about well, that's Sunday school. Some people think what I what I'm doing is like coming from old school, Sunday school. See, I'm a teacher. Every, every church ought to be Sunday school. Okay, it's Sunday, and it's school. It's not something that happens, you know, before church, and then we hoop and holler. Come on, let, let's just think about this. These are people who read the scriptures in the synagogue every single Sunday. The word that they were, should have been reading about, if they're reading the scripture properly, they're going to see the signs concerning him, and they'll recognize him when he came. They didn't even recognize him. They didn't have a clue. Doesn't that sound like folks today? And it's because of that that their life is really no different. And church is just a place they go to, and they, they feel like they're, I mean, they're satisfied and they're, they're, they're happy because they checked that off. I went to church. And they checked that off their list, and they're just as evil and mean and, 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 and have no, no resemblance of the, of, of the message of the scripture. Who is Jesus? So let, let's let the devil define. Let, let's let the devil define. What in the world? <laughs> let's not let the devil define. And let's not let religion define who Jesus is. Let, let's, let's let the word show us. Let's, let's see Jesus in the scripture, because he's the message of the scripture. He said, we, we proclaim the word of life. 
see if I can control this now. Praise God. So Jesus is the message. Say Jesus is the message of the scripture. Okay, so all right. Y'all just have to roll with me up there. We got somebody that can help help me. Okay, praise God. Verse two. Um, now this is from the NIV. I like this. The life appeared. That gives us a clue who the life is. Jesus. He's the word of life. The life appeared. The life didn't stay in heaven. He came and dwelt among us. He said, we've seen it. And we, and we testify to it and proclaim to you the, here, here it is, eternal life, which was with the Father, and here it is again, has appeared. So you see, he's emphasizing this to show these Gnostics, no, the word became flesh. The life, the word of life appeared, and we're proclaiming to you this eternal life that appeared to us. Verse 3, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father. Now, obviously, these are people that are not saved. Now, we can drop down, actually. Uh, we're not going to take time to do that because that's a whole nother lesson where people think that, uh, that we have to confess every sin to be forgiven. Like, okay, you're forgiven positionally, uh, but, but not in reality. I mean, you, you positionally, you've been forgiven, but you've got to keep short accounts with God, and every time you sin, you need to confess it to be forgiven. No. I mean, what did, did God forgive us positionally? So does that mean he loves us positionally? No, it's finished or it ain't. Your forgiveness is finished. See, you'll understand First John 1, 9 because when, when you understand this. See, this, see if, if you take the, the, I say this often, you take the, uh, say, context. If you take the text out of the context, you're left with a con. Now, I want you to look at this carefully. Could this be talking to Christians? And people say, you know, yeah, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, Pastor. I, I still confess every sin. No, you don't. Just the ones that you think you, when the, the sins you think you've done. What about the ones you forgot about? Because if you got to confess everyone to be forgiven, see, people like that safety, they want that safety net because they, totally, they don't totally believe this. So they do it just in case. Just in case, I want to have my ticket, my ticket to heaven. Amen. I'm going to have all my, all my things punched, all my holes punched <laughs> on my card. And I've confessed every sin, just in case what Pastor talking about ain't right. Uh, look, at it, look at it for yourself. I know, Pastor, but I still confess every sin. Confess. 
No. What about the ones you forgot about? See, you, 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 you can't have it both ways. There's no way you're going to remember every sin. Some of y'all thinking wrong about me right now. The Lord forgave that. You didn't, you didn't confess that. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. The Bible says that um, whatever you do is not of faith is sin. Whatever is not of faith is sin. You ever not been in faith? Huh? He that knows to do good and doesn't do it is sin. So just stop it. When you were in, when last time you confessed when you weren't in faith. But relax, you're forgiven. And we're not going to deal no more with 1 John 1, 9, because that's another story for another day. But I want you to connect this every time you think you've got to confess every sin. Don't take the scripture out of context. Here, he's telling these Gnostic folks. Now, see, we, we've been kind of almost brainwashed into thinking that all these letters are written to the church, these epistles, which they are. But you've got sinners in the church. Huh? You, you, you have people who come to church. What I'm saying when I say sinners, people who never made Jesus the Lord of their life, and they'll come and they'll visit, they'll audit the church, and they'll, they'll come and sit, which we want them to. Amen? Because so, we want to hear, the hear them to hear the gospel and to hear the truth that Jesus is Lord, this gospel message about this eternal life, which I'm talking about. Amen? So th that, that's what happened. Even though these letters were written to the church, they addressed people who were among the church. They were the saints and they, they were the ain'ts. And he's addressing the, the, the ain'ts. <clears throat> so he said, so we're talking to you. You think that Jesus wasn't manifest in the flesh. Okay. We've seen him. We've heard him. So we're proclaiming him to you so that you also may have fellowship with us. See, so, so here he's separating us from them. Or we have, that, that you, say you, may have fellowship with us. So can't you see that you and us are two different people? You don't use that. You don't. Like, I, would, I wouldn't say, hey, man, I, I, I want you to, like, to Pastor Gary, for example. I say, Pastor Gary, I want you to have fellowship, the same kind of fellowship you and Nita. I want y'all to have the same kind of fellowship that Carla and I have. And our fellowship is with the Father. I wouldn't say that to them because they're saved. You'd only say that to somebody who's not saved. Okay, that's just some extra, and we're not going to charge you for that. <laughs> Hebrews says God at various times and in various ways spoke 
in time past to the fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. Jesus told the religious group, you search the scriptures. Remember the religious folk I'm talking about? He said, that didn't recognize him, you search the scriptures in them, you think you have eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. And there's still religious people today that they don't understand that Jesus is the word. Jesus, see, Jesus is the word of life. And John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you might have church. No. He came that we might have life. See, a lot of, a lot of people just miss Jesus' life and the importance of that and what eternal life is. See, he didn't come to give us rules. He didn't come and give us, like Moses in the Old Covenant, tablets of stone. Jesus didn't come to give us tablets of stone. He didn't come to give us a system of sin management. He didn't come to give us a ticket to heaven that, that, that you can, hey, I can get in, I got my ticket. You got your ticket? <laughs> he didn't come to give us a ticket to heaven. He came that we might have eternal life. And, okay, look at this. Next verse. First John 5, 12, I believe it is. Okay. And, and see, okay, let's break down. You know what e eternal life is? It's Jesus' life. It's Jesus' life. Isn't that simple? The gospel is so simple. Religion complicates it. He's like, y'all in, in the scriptures all the time, and you think you got eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. The scripture is not about sin management, staying out of trouble. <laughs> it's not about getting a ticket to heaven. The scriptures point to me. The scriptures are, are, are Jesus is the word. He is the message of the scripture. Eternal life is, is Jesus' life. I'm going to break it down even simpler than that. Eternal life is Christ. Now, how does that translate to us and, and, and where we are right now, where you are in your, in your life? Okay, watch this. Here's the good stuff. See, but you have to understand that foundation to understand where we fit in, in this. He who has the Son has life. He came that we might have a life and have it more abundantly. If you, you don't have life, you might be living. See, some people think, see, when you read life in the Bible, it's not talking about it existing. Okay. He who does not have the Son 
of God does not have life. They're obviously existing. They're obviously living. But you can live but not have life. There is a difference when Jesus is in your life. There's a difference when you walk in your job and you have life. <laughs> See, you, you got Jesus. But, but you automatically, you, you become the righteousness of God in Christ. You're different than everybody else. That's why you can come up with solutions on the job that amazes people. And all of us have gifts, and all of us have different gifts. But Jesus, in, in, in his coming, to live on the inside of us, that's why he came. Hallelujah. You are a new creation in Christ. When you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you are his workmanship, which means one translation says you are his handiwork created in Christ Jesus. You have the same righteousness as Jesus has. You have the same life that Jesus has. And it's being conscious of that which will cause you to walk in it. You walking in it, recognize that you're loved. Now let me tell you something else. I, I want to put an emphasis next year on, uh, we we want to really, we, we kind of let let this kind of go by the wayside and, and let it die, really. But but the w uh, winning groups, we need to bring back winning groups because we need to get people together to encourage uh, each other in in love and good works and how much God loves us. Amen. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Hi, amen. We 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 need to get together. See because. I heard a study, this was a secular study, I don't, I don't remember what the, the whole thing was about, but the conclusion of the study was um, that you will achieve, like what, what you want to achieve, and when, you, when you're with a group of people, you can achieve it quicker than you can with willpower. So, so they compared somebody trying to accomplish something through willpower and somebody trying to accomplish it when they're in a, a group of, of people that are, were all trying to accomplish the same thing. I mean, so in a, in a group, they were able to uh, reach the finish line, as it were, much, 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 much greater than somebody trying to do it through willpower. So watch isolating yourself from other believers. You want to be with people who can encourage you in the Word of God. You need to keep, people say, why do you keep talking about the grace of God and the love of God? Because, listen, we've been talking about God's love and your whole lifetime you can't, can't exhaust the love of God. You have to keep reminding, how many of you know you have to keep reminding yourself that you're loved? You have to keep reminding yourself that you are, are not under a rule-based system where you have to earn God's love and acceptance. Because it's, how many of you know it's very easy to fall back? And I know, and I go over it all the time. I preach it all the time. I teach it all the time. 
and I remind myself. I have to keep reminding myself or it would be, it, I, it, 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 I, I wouldn't live in it. You have to keep reminding yourself. You know why? Because the devil will try to keep reminding you that you got to earn God's love. That you have to qualify for his blessing. That you can't expect God to bless you if you don't do this and this and this. If you don't pray a certain amount of a time. If you don't read an, a, a certain amount of scriptures. Because look at so and so. Look at them. And there's people. I heard, heard a story recently. Somebody, what the scripture calls, falls from grace. Which is exactly what the Galatian church, or that Paul was addressing with the Galatian church. He said, who bewitched you? Somebody said, well, pastor, what, what, you, what you're talking about is, is too easy. So they leave the church. This is too simple. who bewitched you? See, if it sounds too good to be true that, that, you, that you don't have to earn God's love and acceptance, that you don't have to qualify for his blessings, it sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? Doesn't it? If it sounds too good to be true, it's probably the gospel. I don't have to do anything. No, I just rest in his finished work. And but, but some people, they don't believe that you will live holier by accident than you ever could on purpose when you rely on his grace. So they go back into a works-based system, and that's what the Bible calls falling from grace. Falling from grace is not what you think it is. Oh, you know, somebody... And then Hollywood got a hold of falling from grace. And any, anybody that, uh, that, that starts, I don't, I don't know, they, they, they live a crazy life or um, the church gets a hold of this when, when, when somebody had a good reputation, like a Tiger Woods, for example. And, uh, you know, he did what he did with these other women and cheating on his wife and his world fell apart. So they caught, well, it, he fell from grace. That's not what falling from grace means. I'm not saying what Tiger Woods did was good. And I'm not saying if somebody, you know, falls into an, an adultery that that's good. <clears throat> what, what I'm saying to you is that's not what it means to fall from grace. In the context. See, see, see what happens when you take the text out of the context? You got a con. Let's, let's, let's let the Bible define what falling from grace. Falling from grace is when you learn about God's unmerited favor and you're living by God's grace and you're resting in his work and you're just chilling. And somebody tell you, it ain't that easy, man. You're going to have to read, you're going to have to pray, you're going to have to have some conviction to convicted to live right. What do you mean convicted? People like that. Well, convicted. Holy Spirit will convict you. <laughs> I need to be convicted of my sin. What sin? The sin's been canceled. Amen. Amen. 
What sin? I don't have any sin. What? I don't. Now, it's not that I can't sin. Don't go out here. See, your sin has been dealt with on a cross. It's already been forgiven. Now, I might commit an act of sin. Sometimes, one time, I need to go through and show you that most of these scriptures, like in Romans, it talks about sin. Romans 6, it talks about sin as a noun, not a verb. I think it's one, one time in all of the list of sin that is mentioned in Romans 6, only one time, it's a verb. Verb is something you do. It talks about sin as, as a noun, like it's a person. See? Hallelujah. So we're free from sin in the fact that sin will not have any dominion over you when you're under grace, the Scripture says. Sin will not have dominion over you when you're not under law but under grace. So that must mean that if you're under the law, under a rule-keeping system, do good, get good, do bad, get bad. If you're on that system, then sin will have dominion over you. Well, you need to preach sin. Yeah, if you want people to sin. <laughs> We're all after the same thing, a, a holy life, but how is it accomplished? That's where we differ from law-based people. We accomplish freedom from sin by preaching grace because the Scripture says, when you're under grace, sin's not going to dominate you. When you're not trying to keep the rules, that seem, it seems counterintuitive. Seems like you got to do something. You got to work it out. Work it out. No, let Jesus work it out. He worked it out on the cross. Now, if you want people to sin, preach about, yeah, stop that sinning. That sinning. We're talking about the terrorist. And what we need to be concerned about are the terrorists in the church. We're talking about the Solomon Lot. But we need to be talking about the, the terrorists in the church. The summer been lying and uh, some have been stealing and uh, some have been cheating. See all that kind of nonsense. <laughs> I got to stop because Carla going to be preaching to me. Yeah, you shouldn't be doing that, making fun of people. All right. You know what that does when you preach sin? what happens is it's counterintuitive because when you preach sin, it actually causes sin. I can tell you a minister years ago uh, that, that used to, I mean, he hammered, man. He preached hard. Everybody say hard. 
he's hard about adultery and fornication and hard. He's hard. Next thing you know, he with prostitutes. So while he was preaching, and what he's doing, he's putting people and himself deeper and deeper into the sin that he's talking about. The scripture tells us why. Because you ever heard that word, um, you shall receive power after that the Holy, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? That word for power is, is dunamis. And so the Bible says that it gives um, the law strengthens sin. The word strengthen is the Greek word dunamis, which means power. So when, when you preach on sin, it gives sin power. So what you think it does, it don't do. It actually causes more of what you're trying to get people to avoid. So if you preach sin, sin will have dominion. If you focus on not doing, you're going to do. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I will. I'm not, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And the more you focus on not doing, the more you do it. When are we going to get it? And then somebody comes talking about, well, Pastor Al, he's talking about all that great stuff, you know, that, that you got to do this, you got to do this. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. That, that, it kind of feels right because the flesh likes to accomplish something. I read five chapters. <laughs> I, 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 I prayed and, and, and I, oh, man, and I feel better. I've, I've, I've grown. How do you know you've grown? Because you're measuring it by your performance and you, you're able to say it, 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 it makes the flesh feel good. I've accomplished this. Well, I've grown. Well, how do you know, how do you know you've grown? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know. I just feel like I've grown. But, but, but here's the danger of that. So you feel good today. But that's that, that religious treadmill you never get off of it because see, because what will happen is that day you didn't read this, you didn't read the three chapters, and you didn't pray. Now you. And they look at God, like, oh, He loves me today, but now He don't love me. They look at God like you ever seen those little images, maybe like in plays. I don't know where I've seen it. Somewhere where you got, they they draw on their face. And one side of the face is happy, and the other one is sad. That's the reason. That's the way some people look at God. <laughs> you turn over here; he's happy, you know, because you read, you pray. You look over here; he's frowning. I'm old enough to remember the Jetsons, and their astro would be on that. Um, the treadmill, 
And, um, you know, so the, the, they, they, put in, they put Astro, is, who is it, Jane and, uh, oh boy, uh, George, George and, and Jane. So they, they put in the dog on there, you know, to run. But f- some, somehow, somehow uh, George gets on there. And that thing just won't stop. And then, uh, and then Astro is outside of it, and he's just looking. He's he, he looking at George run on that thing, man. And George is like, Jane, stop that crazy thing, you know. Amen. When you understand grace, you can get off of that crazy thing. That religious treadmill. Because on a treadmill, how many of you know you don't go anywhere? I mean, you keep going on there. You can go for miles. You're not going anywhere. You just keep going and go. That's the way religion is. They just keep you running. I'm run on till my change comes. But see, when you realize your change already happened, it happened on the cross. Step off, man. Jesus, stop that crazy thing, man. Read your Bible. That law-based system was temporary until Jesus came. The Bible says he had no pleasure in it. He had no pleasure in that system. Why would you want to go back? See, going back to that, is, is what, that's what the scripture called you fell from grace. How many of you understand what that is now? When you fall from grace, that's when you go back to performance-based religion. In conclusion, this, this, the, the, see, this thing we call eternal life, Jesus said, you search the scripture in them, you think you have eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. This is not Jesus. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the message of the scriptures. In these last days, he speaks to us through his son. He didn't come to give us sin management. He didn't come to give us a ticket to heaven. Got your ticket? Are you ready? When the ship comes? Came to give us life, and the life is in his son. He who has the Son, what do you have? You have life. So when you walk in a place, you make a difference. You're able to do things supernaturally because Jesus came that you might have life. Not just have it, but have it more abundantly. That life in the Greek, it's not existing. Everybody exists. It means life as God has it. So you're able to come up with solutions. You, you're able to come up with, with, with creative ideas. Where's my inventors? Where are my inventors at? We need to be flooding the patent office with, with ideas and visions. And glory to God. Coming up with things that, that nobody else thought of. You have no limit. I saw a cup. We were going through, going up and down Michigan the other day, shopping and Man, messing around in Chicago. I love Chicago, man. You go one mile, you can get so many, hit so many spots, man. 
Don't get me started on that. Well, one place we went to and it had a cup. It said, the only limit is you. Because you can limit yourself. But there, with God, is you're unlimited. Thank you, Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for life in Christ Jesus.